And I pray that's what he would do right now. I did not intend when I was preparing this message to have anything specifically to anybody, whether it was uh, the graduates or even mothers. I know we don't. We, we almost like it's, it's almost taboo to even say women. But the reason we're all here this morning is because of a woman and a man that God brought together and gave us life. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. What I want us to mainly think about is I'm going to go begin back in verse 1 in just a minute. The Apostle Paul said, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was an apostle, he was a preacher. And that Timothy was converted under his ministry. Many times he called Timothy my beloved son. And most believe that this book, Second Timothy here, is the last letter that Paul wrote before they beheaded him. And he's writing to encourage not only Timothy, but he's writing to encourage us. He's writing to give us some instruction. How are we to deal with the everythings of this life? And it is our life. As I think about those three girls, when I first came, being here almost 10 years, they were probably about eight years old. I've saw them grow up. I've been their pastor for almost 10 years. And I pray that during that time, God has taught you who he is, that in your life that he's raised you up, and raised me up and brought us all here together for a purpose as he raised up Paul and he raised up Timothy. Timothy was a young believer and he needed encouragement. So let's begin in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. Don't you see this? There's some things Paul remembers that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. He remembered him. He remembered him night and day. He remembered what he was going through. He remembered who he was, that he, that he struggled, and he remembered him. Oh, when God lays somebody upon your heart and you remember them before the throne of grace. And you graduates, I pray that God would enable you as he brings you to our minds that we would remember you and pray that God would order your steps 
that you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. But he said, I remember, I have remembrance of thee night and day, my, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee. He wanted to see him. It had been a while since he had saw him. Being mindful of thy tears, that I might be filled with joy. Some believe that Paul had sent Timothy back to Ephesus. And when he left Ephesus, here's what it says. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. I think Paul wrote to Timothy because not only did Timothy need some encouragement, Paul needed encouragement. We're going to see that in just a minute. But he said he, in verse 3, he remembered him night and day in prayers. Now, in verse 5, he said, when I call to remembrance. What did Paul remember? He had some good memories. As he sat there probably in a cell, he had a lot of time to think and to remember good thoughts. He said, I remembered, watch this, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Paul, I know faith is something that God gives us, but our Lord said he saw their faith. And he saw Stephen's faith, I mean Timothy's faith, and he saw someone else's faith. The unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother. Isn't that ironic? He said, your grandma was a believer. I can testify to the fact she, hers was unfeigned faith. It was the faith of God's elect. She believed God. What a blessing to have a grandmother that would believe God. What a blessing. Some of y'all have grandmothers that believe God. God gave you those for a reason, for a purpose, as he gave Timothy. Before Timothy ever heard the gospel, he gave him a grandmother that was a believer. It's a blessing if anybody, anybody in a whole family believes God. But to have more than one, thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, not just his grandmother, but Eunice's mother, Timothy's mother, was a believer. Isn't that amazing? Oh, to have mothers that teach their children about God. I could see Lois teaching Eunice. And he said, I am persuaded, I'm persuaded that in thee also. Same faith. You know, I don't know, I hope those that had an influence in my life, I pray they knew the Lord. But the Lord used them. As soon as I, I don't know how old I was, just I guess is old enough, you big enough to tote you and take you to church. My mother took me. And her mother, she, my grandmother claimed to be a believer. I hope she did. I hope she did, and I hope my mother did. They at least exposed me to the gospel, to the word of God. 
And I remember that. And there's some things, there's some things, girls, you will never forget. I pray God brings it to your memory. Sometimes you'd say, why did that happen? Why, why was I born into this family? Why not some other family? Timothy was born to this family. And he said, I'm persuaded that in thee also. Verse 6, wherefore, I put you in remembrance. Put you in remembrance. He's reminding Timothy of some things. Well, he, he may have forgotten his grandmother. He may have been so low he forgot his mother. But he said, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. It's like, it's like fanning a flame. It was almost just a very flicker. A bruised reed he won't break and smoking flax he won't quench. Now look at verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I take it Timothy may have been timid. And by nature we all are. By nature, we may try to put on a big front, but by nature, by nature left to ourselves, we're nothing but all cowards. God's not given us the spirit of fear, and he's reminding him of us, reminding him of this, and God remind us, God's not giving you to us the spirit of fear. If we have fear, it didn't come of God. Why? Why are you so fearful, little flock? And I tell you this, you may be fearful. This is a horrible world. But if you're his, he will take care of you. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. God, when he instructed Joshua before they were going in, to go in and take the land of Canaan, God told him three times in Joshua chapter 1, Be strong and of good courage. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That's something to be reminded of. Wherever you go, he's with you. He watches over you. He guides you. He protects you. You're his. You know how, what do you have to be afraid of? Nothing. That's what he's telling Timothy. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. The world don't want to they don't want to talk about this gospel. I talked to someone just earlier and they said, I'm gonna go see him and talk to him, but I can only talk to him for about thirty minutes because they don't have any interest in the gospel. You're gonna meet a lot of people who don't have any interest. And girls, I want your attention. I want you to hear what I'm getting ready to say. You be careful when you start dating somebody. You need to consider who they are. If they don't have an interest in the gospel, you don't have any interest in them. And I'm going to say this, and I've told the other girls this. I've told Katie and I told Sarah this. When you pick somebody else, they're coming here. They're not taking you away from us. And it worked, didn't it, Katie? That's <laughs> yes, Sarah. Where'd you come from, Jimmy? He didn't want to, what I understand, didn't first want to come. He, he's here, and he, I think he enjoys it. <laughs> Same way with you girls. I'm, just, I'm being a little selfish. I look at you as my own daughters. 
That's why I really do. I care for you. Care for you. But don't you be afraid. If you ever need me, you call me. Be not dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. You wait upon the Lord, and he will bring someone into your life. We don't need to fear men, and we don't need to fear persecution from this world. Because you're going to find out, if you hadn't already, what the world's like. Why do you drive all the way from Charleston to Cottageville or to Ripley to go to church? That's what the world asks. What's, why are you going up there? Because that's where we hear the gospel. That's where we worship together. That's why. <laughs> Let me read on. Look in verse 9. Like I said, he's reminding him. He's reminding him we don't, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world was made, before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher and a teacher. What verse was that? Somebody tell me. Do what? Verse 10. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher. Paul said one place, and he told Timothy, the gospel was committed unto his trust. And he taught other men. And he said, you teach other men who are able to teach others. You think about that. You think what has been committed not just to me, but unto us. The gospel. He, was, he said, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet. Paul said, he set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace because we are saved by grace. How privileged we are. We're blessed. We're blessed. Others that went before us, we're blessed. The reason, one reason we have the gospel, Paul was just a man. He was just a sinner like us, but he was faithful with what the Lord gave him. He said, it was appointed unto me, given unto me. And for the which cause, I suffered these things. And he suffered a lot. Girls, this world will hate you if you confess Christ. If you're not ashamed of him, the world's going to hate you. But so be it. Paul said, that's why I suffered. I, I, you say, how can that be encouragement? For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless, thank goodness for nevertheless, I am not ashamed, 
For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let me read on. Then we'll come back to verse 12. Holding fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. They left him alone. Of whom is Philetus and Hermogenes? The Lord give mercy unto the house of Nonoceparus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, Onoceparus, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Here Paul, I pray that what we see here in verse 12 would encourage our hearts. The first thing Paul said, I know whom I have believed. No one can believe for you. God must enable you to believe. His grandmother could believe. His mother could believe. But that's no guarantee anybody else would believe in that family. I know whom I have believed. We must have more than just a head knowledge of Christ. We need a spiritual knowledge. A spiritual knowledge of Christ is necessary to the faith in Christ. Faith comes by hearing. Now listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is so true. But how in the world shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can you call on a, a Jesus or a Christ that you've never believed? You can't. And how are they going to believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? Like I could see a young boy, he come up and said, now, we need to go out. We, we're going to go somewhere. And the girl says, no, we're going to church. You know why? She can't make him believe. But she knows he has to hear to believe. He has to hear. And you know why you believe? God enabled you not only just to hear with your ears, but you heard with your heart. I know whom I have believed. And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how are they going to preach except they be sent? You can't believe in an unrevealed Christ. And Paul didn't say, I know what I believe. He said, I know whom I have believed. A lot of people know what. We claim to believe in the five points of grace. We, we claim to believe what's called, considered the tulip. We do believe those things, and we defend those things. But you can believe those things and still go to hell. Don't just be settled with knowing some facts here. It's knowing it here. I know whom I believe. The more we know about him, the more we trust him. He didn't say, I hope I know him. He said, with confidence, I know whom I have believed. 
You can know all these doctrines, and it'd be nothing more than just dead doctrines. I can tell you from firsthand experience, I actually fought for the doctrines. I, gra- I had a firm grasp of the doctrines. I could defend the doctrines. I, I could be like Peter. I could pull out a sword and cut your head off if you disagreed with me. And it was not salvation. And one day, God in his grace, when it pleased him to make himself known, he showed me mercy and opened my eyes and allowed me to see that I didn't, all I knew was what. I didn't know who. I know whom I have believed. You know, the devil knows who Christ is. James 2.19, Thou believest that there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. The demons said to our Lord one day, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to torment us before the time? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. They are not saved. He said, I know whom. I have believed. What is salvation? As simple as I can put it, it is to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's believing in a person, not a doctrine, in a person. I know some of you children have been taught this a long time. Don't rest on just a head knowledge. You rest in Christ, whom I have believed. Just knowing you have leprosy won't heal you. Some people see that they are spiritually bankrupt, and because they know this, they feel that their debt is paid. A person may feel emptiness, but this one, if it doesn't drive them to Christ, what good is it? It doesn't matter what a person experiences if what he feels does not cause him to come to Christ. Many know about him. He didn't say, I know about Christ. I know whom. And you know what? This morning, if I don't know him, I want to know him right now. I want to know him. I don't want to to be deceived, find out one day that it's too late. He's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against the day. What day? That day that I stand before him. The day that I send before him. Secondly, this knowledge of whom he is brings confidence. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid. If God be for you, who can be against you? What do you have? Let me ask you a question. If you're afraid, what do you have to be afraid of? He said, I am persuaded What is it to persuade someone? He said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I think it means he's thoroughly convinced. I am persuaded. What am I persuaded about? That he is able. Not that I'm able. None of us are able. You're not able to keep yourself. You're You're not even able to make yourself believe. You just can't do it. But he is able. Confidence in our Lord's willingness to save and power to save is necessary to faith. As I mentioned early, earlier in the other lesson, the man that came to our Lord, he came for his son, his son was possessed, 
And he said, the Lord looked at him, and our Lord knew, but he asked this man, when did this happen to your son? He said, as a child. And that man, in his unbelief, he said, if you can, if you can do anything, if you have the ability to do anything, would you help us? And our Lord looked at him. This, the man had the if on the wrong place. And the Lord looked at this man. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And that man said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Let me give you some scripture, Matthew 9, verse 28. When Jesus was coming to the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to him, Believe ye that I'm able to do this? This morning, do you actually believe that Jesus Christ is able to deliver you? And if you don't, the reason is it's just willful unbelief. Do you believe? He asked the man point blank, Do you believe that I am able, that he is able to do this. Most believe, most believe in a God who is not able. He needs your help. No, do you believe he's able? Trust him. You believe I'm able to do this? And the man said unto him, very simple, yea, Lord. They didn't take a scientist to figure that out. <laughs> do you believe? Yea, Lord. You know what salvation is? It's you sitting right where you are at and you not moving a muscle and all of a sudden at the snap of a finger. I believe. I believe. I can't explain it. I just believe. This is Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power which worketh in us. He said in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And I know Sandy, I think she spoke this morning downstairs on Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham gets older. And before Abraham has a son, he's going to be 90 years old. I mean, 99 years old, almost 100 years old. How can he have a son? Abraham's not able. <laughs> There's only one that's able. Is God able to keep his promise? Yeah, he's able. No one can stop him. When God intends to save someone, he's going to save them. He's able. Here's what he said, Abraham. Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Paul said, I am persuaded. I am fully persuaded that what he has promised, he is able to perform. And I'm fully persuaded. I'm persuaded this morning. What are you persuaded about? That God is able in his own time to bring back to memory what you've heard. And God in his grace will show you mercy. I'm persuaded. That's why we preach the gospel and leave it in God's hands. What? you gotta, you, you got to get them. you got to make them able. No, I don't. He's able. He staggered not at the promise. He believed him. 
He, you know what it says about Abraham? He believed God. Well, when was Abraham saved? When God called him to come out of the earth of Chaldees? When he offered up Isaac? When? When he sent away Ishmael? When was he saved? I'll tell you when he, when he saved. When it pleased God and he believed. It's all of a sudden. He's able. He's able to save to the uttermost. Them that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jude one twenty four. now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Children, as you leave home, he's able to keep you. He's able to protect you. He's able to keep us from falling. If he don't, you know what's going to happen? We're going to fall. Seven times in a day. He's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Do we believe he's able? Then lastly, faith brings commitment. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him. What did Paul commit unto him? He committed his very soul who keeps who? He keeps you. We don't keep ourselves. He keeps us. You think about it, he guards you. He watches over you. He protects you. <laughs> Listen, where there has been no genuine or complete committal of all things to Christ, there is no true saving faith. You cannot separate faith and conduct. How did he know that? But this grandmother believed. How did he know us that know that Lois and Eunice believed? How did he know Stephen believed or Timothy? Their conduct. I know men can play games. I understand that. But do you believe him to commit everything into his hands? I can tell you this from experience. It's hard to let your children go. It's hard when they leave the the nest, and then before you turn around, you are empty nesters. How, they're always your children. They'll never stop being your children. I don't care how old they get. My oldest daughter now is 40 years old, but I'm still her daddy, and I still care about her. But I know that God is able to raise them a whole lot better than I could, and I commit them. It's just like Hannah, when she brought Samuel to the Lord, she committed him to Eli. He wasn't the best daddy. She committed him to the Lord. And the Lord took care of that boy. Those that honor me, the Lord will honor. And what about Samuel? Oh, he growed up. The Lord taught him. Even under Eli. She said she prayed for that boy. And it had been hard, you know, after you got the boy, I, I don't want to give him up. But, you know, the promise, she made a promise. She said, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him to you for the rest of your life. And when he was weaned, whatever that age is, he could have been 11 or 12 years old. We don't know. And she took that boy up there. She said, I'm committing him to the Lord. We commit him to the Lord. Lord, Lord, take care of him. And she went back home. How could you do that? Faith. Because I know whom I have believed. That's how. That's how. She knew who she believed in. She knew whom. Committal to Christ involves trusting him. 
casting ourselves upon him, leaving ourselves totally in his hands to save, sanctify, and to glorify us. Do you believe God? Answer that question. Do you believe God? And are you willing to commit your whole salvation into his hands? Only faith to do that. But I know whom I believe. And he's, a, he's able. He's not trying to be able. He's able. Listen. Here's an example. Genesis 39, 8. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. It says in Genesis 39, 8. And he, Joseph refused and said to his master's wife because she remembers she was coming on to him and she wanted him to lie with her and he said I won't do it he was committed not just to his master but he was committed to his lord and he said behold my master he don't know what is with me everything he's put into my hands he hath committed all that he hath into my hands he committed it Everything into this man's hands. You know what it says about Potiphar? He saw that the Lord was with him. How did he see that? What did he see that was different? And he says, Joseph, whatever I have is in your hands. He trusted him with it. And then when he was cast into prison because the woman lied on him, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand. He committed everything to Joseph's hands. And I made me a note here. Do we believe that God is able to take care of our children? He has to teach us. If you don't, you know what? We'll be afraid. We'll be anxious. We'll have a lot of sleepless nights. And we'll shed a bunch of tears. Here it is. It was 1 Samuel one twenty eight. Therefore also I have lent him unto the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. How can we know that we believe in him? How can I know that we trust him? Search the scriptures with a desire to know him. The Ethiopian eunuch, he had a desire to know him. And you know what God did? He sent him a preacher. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except some man guide me? Do you know those who, are, those who seek Christ are already being sought of him? If you desire to have him, you will want him more than anything in this world. You know what Moses said? I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The world's going to make sin look real pretty, and it will leave you empty. <clears throat> Act upon what we know. Seek his face. Do I know Christ? Do you know Christ?
Do you know him? Make your calling and election sure. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Oh, that we might be able to say with Paul, I know whom I have believed. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And do, you, do we believe that he is able to save us?